Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What it do-do, boo-boos? How you guys doing out there? In a podcast land, I am Chris Sinclair, being as ridiculous as I usually am, and I am joined by my uh, ever so less ridiculous uh, podcast partner, Mr. Drew Garrison. How are you doing, homie? I'm doing good, man. Someone's got to be the straight man in this ridiculous uh, relationship that that you you start off all these episodes and you say something just ridiculous that throws me off. Like I'm like, I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to introduce the guest this way. And then you're talking about like boo-boos and doo-doos and whatnot. <laughs> and I don't even know, I don't even know where I'm at. And um, it's just, it's ridiculous, but, but I'm excited to be here. Um, Chris, you and I were texting earlier today and we were, we were talking about the hot streak that we both feel that we're on. Um, when it comes to this podcast and it comes Ooh. to the people that, that we've gotten to, um, you know, to talk with, to, I, I guess, interview, but it's not really interviews. Like these have really just been conversations. And I think that we determined last week that this, this podcast is, is definitely about sharing the top stories in the industry, sharing dope people to check out. But I think really what it's now become is an excuse for us to reach out to people who we want to talk to and like use it as a vehicle to be like, that person's really dope. I want to talk to that person. Yeah. And, and some, somehow we've like found our way to being cool enough that people will actually want to talk to us too, which is really weird. I think it's like one of those things that, that some of the guests look back on and be like, wow, I was really ignorant to this question. And <laughs> I guess I just ran into it like, you know, with, with nothing but bliss. And, um, but to you know, to kind of go back to to the uh, into what I was saying about reaching out to people and and just being really excited about it. That is absolutely what this guest is tonight. Um, this is someone that I came across organically on uh, on Instagram and just really liked a lot of the content that he was putting out. And then that led to this really like I was like, oh, and he does a podcast. I'm like, great, I need to listen to this podcast. And I was like, wow, his podcast is so much better than my podcast. And uh, I want to talk to him about I want to talk to him about all the things he's doing. And our guest tonight is uh, is the black wine guy, MJ Tyler. MJ, thank you so much for for joining us and for being here. As I said, you're you're you know known as the Black Wine Guy on Instagram. The podcast is called the Black Wine Guy Experience. You're obviously leaning into that. Um, thank you for being here. What are you drinking? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and let's let's go from there. Oh my God! <clears throat> well, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Drew, for having me. Uh, I will answer the question. Uh, I am drinking an Argentinian red blend. It's called Alma Negra. That black theme seems to follow me um, <laughs> everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like uh, I believe it's Cab Malbec, some other shit, maybe. Uh, but it's really dark. It's a two, it's a it's a good Tuesday night bottle, you know. Um, yeah, it's a great Tuesday night bottle. Um, picked up from a local merchant. Um, rich, nice black fruits little touch of oak. Um, so yeah, that's what I got in the glass. And, you know, um, for, first of all, thanks for having me. I totally understand what you guys are talking about. Like having a podcast was like the excuse to have conversations with people. Um, I built my podcast literally 
98% of the guests have come through DM, Instagram DM. Um, mm-hmm. And, yep. and uh, yes, I was telling my wife, I was like, shit, I'm fucking tired. You know, <laughs> Cause I'm, on a different I'm like, I'm like, and, but why you say yes to this is because I, I'm grateful, right? That you want to have a conversation with me. And so many people have been generous with their time for me. Like you've seen the people yeah. I've had on my podcast, no reason for people to have come on my podcast. Um, but, um, I, like you said, I guess I, I knew enough about wine. I was cool enough that they, you know, they, they saw something and it came on. So, um, just happy to be here. Um, I live in New Jersey. Um, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, hey, hey. Yes, right. Jersey, Jersey strong. Um, where, where in Jersey that, are you from? Oh, uh, this, uh, Jersey shore. <laughs> oh, okay. Jersey Which shore. one? Yeah, there's only one. I mean, really, actually, I'm from, uh, I grew up in a town called Long Branch. Um, and oh, now I know I live exactly in town. Long Branch is. Yeah, and I, I live in Red Bank now. Um, okay. So that's just kind of, that just happened. That's how life works sometimes. Um, so I'm, I'm like not far from New York. I go into the New York city to the studio, record my guests, record my guests, go in the studio. Um, but like so much, what you just said in your intro resonated with me, man. Like I get it. I get what it's like when you step out here, you do this thing. And, and, and I started my podcast literally, I was like, who would I want to have a, who would I want to have a bottle of wine with? And that, that's kind of like the premise. Like who would I want to have a bottle of wine with, get to know about their life. And uh, who I think is kind of cool, you know, so um, it's kind of unfolding that way. So that's awesome. I mean, and and I know that we'll we'll touch on this through throughout the episode, but um, you know, I do listen to a lot of podcasts because I do have a lot of um, windshield time. Just being in, you know, being a sales rep, like you're going from one account to the next, and also my territory is basically all of Northern California, and that's huge, right? And so it's it's very easy to get like turned off from, from different things because you're just kind of like, like, Oh no, I'm listening to something else. So there's, there's so many different options. And I think the fact that you've been able to, you know, elevate yourself and have like this really engaging podcast that, you know, started with, started with an Instagram account. It's just, it's just really awesome. And I, and you know, I, I just hope that people, people do go and check it out, which I know they will because our, our, our guests always, always seem to get a little bit of residuals, uh, you know, from spending their time with us. And, and I also love the fact that, you know, you're, you're very much so like in the same boat as us. Like, you know, you're, you're kind of getting, like, you're kind of trying to get the right mindset, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to go have this conversation. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then the camera turns on. You're like, all right, let's talk wine. <laughs> every time, every time, every time. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. <laughs> We're right. Talking. You just got to get drinking. into the, yeah, you just got to get into the groove. And there was a, um, the, the show comedians and cars getting coffee when, when uh, and I probably brought this up on the on the podcast before, but there's a there's the episode with Jimmy Fallon and Seinfeld, obviously, and and um, and Fallon's talking about his preparation and how much he really like can dread the show at times, right? And so he goes, he's like, you know, I'll be up to the point where like I just don't want to do it. And so Seinfeld asks him, he goes, he goes, how close, you know, to the show starting do you feel like that? He goes, oh, right before the curtains open, and. <laughs> Like when I heard him say that, I just, I felt so validated. I was like, I was like, oh man, with every presentation I've done, it's like, but like when that switch goes on yeah. and you're able to just, and you do such a good job on your show. Cause it's not just, it's not just about wine, you know, like you said, it's about their lives and it's about these different things and this weird stuff that, that people get into, um, you know, you had that guy from, from Napa a couple of weeks ago 
who's like doing the weirdest Instagram of all time when it comes to wine related content that it's like a digital magazine, but on oh, yeah, Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Dan Petrosky. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, I'm sitting here listening to this. I'm like, this guy is mental. And then I looked at, and then I looked at his Instagram. And I was like, I was like, yeah, like, I don't know how MJ navigated any of this conversation. This is amazing. Um, but it was just really fun, man. And I, uh, I just really appreciate the, the stuff that you're putting out because it's just as someone who's trying to learn about wine right now to, to have someone that's like, you know, at least makes it relatable. And then, and I think your tasting notes tonight are a perfect example of it where it's like, I think there's some Cab Franc and some shit. Like, I'm like, I'm like, this is my type of wine tasting. (laughs) I mean, people, people, people want to get into like all this stuff and, and I could do all that, like, oh, you know, like the, the, you know, but I'm like, oh my God, it tastes good. I have, I have, I, mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite wines this year is a Sangiovese out of California um, by my man, Chris. He has a little wine company called St. K. And literally the tasting notes are, it's so fucking good. 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 <laughs> it's so yeah. fucking good. Like, like, I, I'm like, did I tell you how fucking good this wine is? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, but that's but sometimes that's all that's all you need, and and I find that, um, especially so like for for me, like I work with a lot of high end spirits, yep. right? And yep. I work with a lot of these like family brands and stuff like that, and you know, and sometimes people are like, well, you know, well, what are you getting on this? Like, what do you? We're like, you know, what do you taste? And I'm like, I'm like, it tastes good. That's 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 what I'm getting, and that's all I kind of really want to talk about i mean you know i think sometimes it's hard to to remember at times that you're like hey this is people's downtime like this is their leisure time mm-hmm. and they're spending it with you right And they kind of want you to be the expert and um you know but then i'm like i'm like but yeah but it's work like they're right. asking me about work right yeah. now and i don't want to talk about work so uh, my cousins do no, all the time i'm like yo i'm not talking about this wine this is just yeah. Just be happy you're over at my house drinking wine with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so what's what has that transformation been like that for you? Because so you know, it, again, in doing some of like the research and stuff like that, you know, this starts with an Instagram. You kind of lose steam with it, right? Because you're like, you know, are you just screaming into the ether or whatever? And then you start to get the feedback, like, hey, no, like I I miss your stuff. Can you please, you know, start posting again? But when does the transition happen with the family where they're kind of like? Uh, MJ, can you bring the wine or what do you think of this wine? Or now they're, are they afraid to give you wine now? Like has any of that happened for you? Yeah, no, it's, I think, I think it's, uh, it's actually a good position to be in, right? Cause like, because like, you you know, in the, being in the business, like you, you could bring like an off brand because you brought it. They think it's like the shit, right? Like it's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I mean, so like, I mean like, so like I, I went out. I'll give you a perfect example. I went out to dinner with my my cousins uh, last Friday night, and we went to a BYOB place. Um, and like I was like, oh my god, what am I? It's, I like, what am I gonna bring? Right. So like, I went down the basement. I have a bunch of samples. Um, I'm like, all right. Well, I think two things. Like, I knew what I was getting when I poured this wine tonight. I, I kind of had an idea what kind of wine I want to have. Right. But I get sent mm-hmm. samples. I'm like, well, you know, like I might not want to drink that. So it's better to drink it with like, you know, five other people and actually get their feedback. And all the wines were great, but, and they were, they were like, and literally I took them to Italy, Spain, um, shit, where Italy, Spain, 
France. I don't know. I drank a lot that last weekend. <laughs> um, but 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 then we came back to my house. We had some more wine. Uh, but they love it. Like they love stuff like it's it's fun with family because like you know when you do like the psalm pour where you hold the bottle. They never seen that before. You know and they uh, yeah yeah yeah. Um, but but like yeah I I and I kind of chilled out. Like I, I when I first started Instagram, big big tasting notes. I don't do as much tasting notes anymore. Um, since I started the podcast, because my energy's there, um, yeah. so I, I haven't written as many reviews over the the course of this year. Um, but like, um, I've enjoyed a lot of wine. I'm I'm doing some lists right now of wines that were brought on the podcast, and I'm going to do like my 30 wines a year. Some will have extensive notes, others won't, um, because what I've discovered by doing the podcast, even with the people I've had, I've had like top industry people on the podcast, and what they like, it's fun. Like people like, believe it or not. People in the business like to not talk about wine, you know, like right. they, they yep. don't, they don't want to be on all the time, you know, um, you know, uh, they, they want to, you know, and, and I love the feedback. Like I did one with a guy who owns a pizzeria and like one of my a loyal listeners, he's like, that's one of my favorite episodes. It was like, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with wine. And, uh, now I want to go to that guy's pizzeria, you know? Um, yeah. and that's, and so that's what I'm doing is. I think I think wine is a it's a great conduit for conversations, um, um, and 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 nothing against hard spirits, but like there's not a lot of fights breaking out the wine tasting, but like you have a little bit too much whiskey, somebody's gonna get their ass whipped. I mean, I've seen some pretty ridiculous things at wine tastings, but you're probably right. You know, there's I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely... a lot of ridiculousness, but like it's not like wine does not puff you up. It's a thing that you like. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it definitely, uh, I mean, and there's, there's so many different interpretations from, from all over the world and stuff like that too. Like, it's just like this endless conversation. Um, like for example, you know, tonight I'm, I'm doing a Georgian wine, which like our listeners will not be surprised by at all, but it's like, I'm doing, you know, it's a Saparavi, it's from Kakheti, it's, uh, it's just like this new artist series that they're trying to feature like different artists from throughout Georgia. And it's just fun. It's different. It's not like, it's not as aggressive as some of the other Saparabis that I've had, mm-hmm. you know, from, from that country, but it's still like, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's decent. And then when I, you know, I, I poured a, a bunch for my wife before I came up here to do the podcast. And she was just like, she's like, yeah, this is good. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. When you get the, when you get the Caitlin approval, you're kind of like, like, all right, this has, well, this has a universal appeal. Well, you know, my wife gives me very extensive tasting notes. She's like, it's got a kick. That's her tasting note. It's got to have a kick. <laughs> she's like, it's got I a mean, kick. That, you know? I get, I get like, yeah, I like it. And then that's, and then that's about it. Yeah. Actually, my three, my three-year-old daughter gives better tasting notes than my wife does. Yeah. You know, like she'll <laughs> stick her finger and be like, oh yeah, strawberries. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, good for you, babe. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you actually, you actually get this. Uh, but Chris, I love what that. are you drinking? Chris, go ahead. Chris, man. what are you drinking? Hey, all right. Uh, first of all, my, uh, my woot woots in Jersey is cause that's where I was born. And I, I like, I grew up most like the early side of my life there in Jersey, New York city. So, uh, I was born in Perth Amboy. That's why that I is, uh, you know, exactly. That's like 20 yeah. minutes away. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very familiar. Uh, I am, I'm drinking on some, um, uh, green chartreuse VEP. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. cause I felt like okay. being a bougie bitch tonight. So, 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I took out like an expensive bottle of liqueur that uh, will probably knock me sideways by, by the end of this uh, podcast. And it's damn good. I've had this bottle for um, a year plus. And uh, I always have to like hide it in the back because I love it so much so that like I don't want to like always go grab it for it. And I want to lightweight forget that it exists so that way it doesn't like disappear so fast. Um, but this is hands down one of my one of my favorite things to drink of all time. This is just insanely good. And what what sets that apart from other green chartreuse that that people might just find on their shelf? Um, it's more expensive. Uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, uh, I, I mean, legitimately, like, I can tell you what we think we know. It, like, I think it's aged longer in wood, but who the fuck knows? Mm-hmm. It's guard- yeah. g- gosh dang, uh, Carthusian monks who don't tell anybody anything, uh, any of their secrets. So, have no clue what makes it makes it more special other than maybe it's aged just a little bit longer. Um, that is that is the the important thing to point out. Like when it comes to chartreuse, is that that recipe is kept so close to the chest that not one single person has the entire recipe in the world. Right. Yeah. That's, even, even the people is, who make it, even the people who make right. it don't know how it's made. Right. So they come in and they do their, their portion of it in sections. Right. 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 Yeah. Which is just, which is, which is crazy. And then, um, you know, I've I've got to have some of the more elevated uh, green chartreuses over the past year. Um, you know, the ones that come in like the big ass wooden box. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and they are they are so good. And it's and it's funny. Like I'm I'm struggling because I'm I'm thinking about the listener right now. And if you haven't had chartreuse, and they're like like what the hell does chartreuse taste like? And this is such an asshole thing to say, but I'm like, I'm like, it tastes like chartreuse. I don't know any right. other way to describe it. It's so unique, right? Um, I always, I always think of the Quentin Tarantino quote. quote whenever uh, anybody asks me what it's like, um, uh, Quentin Tarantino has got this quote where he said, uh, "It's the drink so good they named a color after it." Uh, it's you know, like it doesn't amazing. say anything about it, but at least you know how important it is. <laughs> You know, it's so funny I, when you said, because you're from Jersey, you'll appreciate this, Chris. Someone I saw a post on social, uh, another cat, he actually lives out in California now. He found like uh pork roll in, in a supermarket out there, you know, uh, Taylor, John Taylor's pork roll. And somebody's like, does that, is it like Canadian bacon or is it like spam? I'm like, there's no, <laughs> there's no point of reference, bro. It's pork roll. <laughs> Some things you just have to taste like like and chartreuse is one of those those things that there is no, you know, there's no point of reference, but chartreuse, you know, okay, it's, uh, so, it's so, uh, similar to like saying like I like uh, why why we love the Wawa. Like, yeah, you got to. Yeah. yeah, you got to go to Wawa and they're like, well, what's a Wawa? And you're like, it's a fucking Wawa, man. Like it's a is it a gas station? Sometimes is it a corner store? Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's a fucking Wawa. I don't know what to tell you. That's what it is. <laughs> Okay, but now let me let me intervene as the only non New Jersey resident or, you know, origin story here. There is um there there's this vodka that was made and the one Chris, the one with the pig on it, the one that you think is delicious. Hell yeah. Um what is off it called? The, off the hoof from the painted stave. And and what did and what do they do as the infusion? What is it? It's scrapple what was the meat? it's scrapple infused vodka. Scrapple now is that a New Jersey thing? No, I see, I think no, that's I, a southern no, thing. But good for you. Uh, no, Scrapple. 
um, might be Southern, but it is. I mentioned it. Pennsylvania. They need yeah, a lot of scrap yeah. on Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, lot, lots of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because because the reason I asked, like, you're talking about like pork rolls, and I just was like, I was like, is there this this underground of like pork products that <laughs> oh, exist yeah, in the Northeast dude, that is. I don't that I don't understand for, for sure. Like, <laughs> okay. like, like in like in Pennsylvania, because I lived in South Jersey, it's it's all about scrapple and not pork roll so much. And and just scrapple just sounds nasty. I just can't fuck. I mean, literally it. It, it it's like the scrap off the floor of the slaughterhouse. There you go, guys. There's a and 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 have some scrap and then some green chartreuse. That'll make for a fun um a fun <laughs> funny new. That sounds great new cocktail. To me. I'm into <laughs> it. But it was it was so funny because you know he he ends up getting he gets this product um and he's tasting everybody on it and he's beyond excited about this like scrapple infused vodka and for the most part and i still think it's the majority we're kind of like this is disgusting why is this a thing and he's just Legit, been trying only, to find supporters the, since then the only other you know? person who likes it that i've given it to uh at least in in my like immediate sphere is someone also from the east coast yeah so there you go i i don't fuck with scrapple so i probably would not like this vodka <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, see, it's not just an East Coast thing. It's it's a weird. They're always it's a, you know, it's, it's regional, it's a weird thing. But there's flavor. Like you got like like you still <laughs> might not like a flavor, right? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's it, in, in speaking of like like flavor profiles and stuff like that. Like, do you you know as you've gone through your own wine journey, um, is there any flavor profile that like doesn't jive with you that you're just kind of be like you're like no, that's just Right now, my palate's not there. Like, I just can't do any of that type of like grape or region or, or I don't know. Like, I I feel like you, I feel like there's something there's something in your head right now, and I want to hear it. Yeah. Well. Okay. So I've always said, <clears throat> I always say, I tell people, I understand. I'm gonna get wine geek here. I understand varietal typicity, right? So I understand that certain grapes should taste a certain way, and uh-huh. and and wines from certain regions will taste a certain way. Um, and so I can, I can totally respect that. Um, you know, um, this is a fun one. I remember when I, like <laughs> when I was writing reviews, when I was, when I was just knocking out reviews like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, like I had a, we had a 95 Bordeaux, 95 Cologne Segor buddy of mine. He loves Cologne Segor. He loves Bordeaux. Um, and, uh, and you know, we had this wine is 95, whatever, 25 years old, some shit like that. Right. Um, and like, we're going through the taste of notes and you, and I'm like, you know what, man, this tastes like a shit dipped pencil tip. <laughs> that was the hardest not to just spit my wine out <laughs> all over my desk and computer. You know, I mean, because Bordeaux's got that mad, it's got that shit funk to it sometimes. Uh, right. Pencil, right. Pen- yeah pencil lead and we're just me and my buddy you know we go way way back and i was like someone oh you know what the pencil shit the pencil tip so you know um so um that being said like i'm not i will tell you that of all the the big varietals my least favorite is probably cabernet sauvignon i think it's like it's like it's too easy it's not too easy like i'm more of a roan guy i love grenache i love syrah um mm. um I will, you know, um, but I, I tend to, I tend to, um, not enjoy the more vegetal, uh, 
you know, uh, and pyrazine characteristics of wine, which a lot of people like, you know, so. Yeah. But I won't, I won't, I won't shit on a wine if I don't like it. If the wine tastes like it's supposed to taste, you know, um, I, I respect that. Whereas a lot of people like, oh my God, you drink that shit from Paso Robles. It's all high in alcohol, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Boy, buddy, this shit's delicious. And the wine's in harmony. You know, it's not showing any heat. So like, you know, you have people who like won't drink a wine that's over 14% alcohol because they, they that's like their religion, the, the non 14% alcohol club. You know what I mean? And then, you know, um, you know, um, so I just try and be open-minded, but like on my dime, I'm going to drink what I drink. So I'm going to drink stuff I like, you know, that's all. Yeah. Okay. So, so again, like part of, part of the learning process for me, like the 14% club is now, does that, is, is that more so related to, you know, just like the high alcohol taste it could potentially have, or is it because that also includes potentially like dessert wines and stuff or like how, like, you know, maybe expand upon that a little bit. Okay, so I, I think what it has to do with, uh, first of all, you have dessert wines that come in at eleven. You can have a you can have you can have a Auch Laser Riesling come in at eight percent, and it's and that's a total dessert wine, right? So it's not that. Okay, I think a lot of people believe um, that um, wines can be out of they can be out of harmony, right? So you could have a wine, and if it has too much alcohol, you're going to get heat on it. However, certain mm-hmm. grapes, I mean, that's kind of why I like Grenache so much. Grenache loves heat. So Grenache gets really ripe. And and when I came in the business, I came in the business in the uh, mid-late 90s. And that was an era of big, ripe, unctuous, voluptuous fruit bombs, particularly from Australia. And so I'm like 28, 29 years old, just getting the wine. And, and, like, and this stuff is delicious to me, right? I think people forget a grape is a fruit. So wine should have some fruit flavors. It shouldn't have, it should, I don't think it should necessarily be forward with the, the secondary flavors. I like, I like leather pants in my, in, in a wine. I like, I can appreciate, I like tobacco, you know, like I like, you know, a, a good, a good wine for me could be like, like a, a killer cab for me is going to taste like a, a, a cherry Swisher sweet, right? Like, so you just crack it open, you know, roll it up, you know, you know, you know that cherry Swisher sweet type thing, but yeah, but a grape is a fruit. It's a fruit. It should have fruit. And I think there's so many people like um, who, who, who just, and it's because everything's cyclical, you know, everything's cyclical. So um, I think we're in, we're, we're in, we're in this natty time. We're in this time of re- returning back to the way people used to make wines. But, you know, if we don't learn anything, like what's the point, right? Like you can't like, you know, I think people made wines, People made natural wines because they they didn't have access to clean facilities. They didn't have access to the things we have today, where you can um, you can create. And and I'm not talking about manipulating a wine. I'm just talking about like because I most of my winemaker friends like they're they're pretty hands off. They make their wine in the vineyard. You know, they make their wine in the vineyard. Um, I'm not yeah. talking about big box market wine that is a formula where it's this parts this per million and they're making it. But um, to say if if someone back in 1 AD or uh, uh could had access to like a state of the art winemaking facility they would not be like no 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 this is not right i want to make my wine naturally <laughs> they just wouldn't <laughs> they just i man you're you're 
you're preaching to to the choir here. I mean, and, and we do drink a lot of natural wines. I mean, we are, uh, you know, being in California, you just you're inundated with them. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a new natural wine bar opens up every three days here. You know, like well, it's I mean, just Sacramento just got just got run over by them. I mean, we we, we just have, had, we have we three have or four three? that just opened up. Yeah, three or four yeah. or, or fourth is about to open up. Um, it, I'll, t- I'll tell you, within, within, great. We're not that like, big within a year. Like just, yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's cool. Like you, you know, you want to see this exposure and stuff like that, but there's definitely been a few times in, in, um, you know, where I've tasted a lot of different natural wines and, you know, you hear the pitch, right. Where they're just kind of like, we didn't, we didn't touch this at all. We didn't, we didn't do anything. We just let nature visit. And I was, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, you should have touched it. You should have done something. (laughs) You should have, you should have stepped in and you should have stopped Mm -hmm. this assault that took place against these grapes. Like, you know, like, you know, it's just, you're, you're guilty by association now. And, um, and I love the winemakers that I've met who are who are of the mindset that they're like, you know, we're, yeah, we're going to, we could qualify as natural, but we don't want our wine to stand out in a lineup of normal wines. And I'm just like, I'm like, that's, that is, that I, is fucking exactly. great. That's what I love. I tell people, you have yeah. no idea how many wines are made organically or biodynamically and they don't bother because they got to pay extra money for it. Right. Right. I'm like, yep. I'm like, and my, my issue becomes, and I'm, I love marketing. I study marketing, but like when, when you come out the gate, that that's if that's if you're marketing your wine that way there's some like just make a great wine bro i don't that's a, make a good wine if you make a good wine yeah. i'll drink it yeah i was definitely heading down that path of of kind of like your natural wine bro and um you know and then i ended up having a conversation with one of the uh one of our georgian winemakers and they were so confused by the concept that it immediately like sobered me up from all that conversation. I just was like, I was like, Oh, like this is, this is dumb. Like this makes no sense to them whatsoever. Cause they're just kind of like, like, they're just like, Oh, so you're making wine. I don't understand why you're calling it this. Like you're just making wine. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but it's natural. They're kind of like, you're an idiot. I'm like, fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're, uh, that we're on the same page with that. This is uh this is very validating. Which, and one more thing I'll been... say about that too, man, is that and I've said I said this a couple weeks ago, uh, doing an IG live with a winemaker. I'm like, first of all, um I remember being in the seventh or eighth grade and we had to memorize the periodic table of the elements, you know, and had mm-hmm. all these these were all the naturally occurring compounds on earth. Sulfur is a fucking naturally occurring compound. So how if you put sulfur in your wine, is it not natural? Uh, it's true words never been spoken. I'm, I'm just I'm, saying. I'm absolutely with you. I mean, do you feel like you have that that conversation all the time now? Because like I I was talking to someone, I can't remember the other day, but they were they were outside the industry and they definitely brought that up. I just was like, I was like oh yeah, no, like, you know, you know, you wanna like you want to try these wines from, you know, like from like Burgundy and stuff like they're really good. And they just like, like, Oh, like, Oh, is it low on sulfites? I'm like, no, no, it is not. It is just for, for what, for whatever reason, this is, this has been deemed the, the, you know, the, 
the the bad guy here. Like I don't I don't know why. Well, so, but so fights just... in wine is like MSG and food, right? Like people don't know what they're saying when they ask. It's for freaking. Like, nah, it's, it MSG, just gives me a headache. It's, it's You're like, it's salt. No. I mean, I mean, it's a form of yeah. salt. It's a salt isotope or whatever the fuck that shit is called, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, like it's salt's yeah. cousin. And yeah, I do have that conversation because it just it's sad, man. Just like it's because people read, you know, somebody's blog. You know, I mean, and we're all here doing our thing, but like, you know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, you think people internet. read blogs? <laughs> it's the internet. I just go back to the movie Training Day when it, when it, when he's a scene when he's in the bar when they're having breakfast and he's talking about the paper. He's like, you know, the paper. He's like, you can say this is the internet. Ninety nine percent of it is bullshit, but it's entertaining, right? Um, yeah. So people don't know who they're listening to, and it's a lot of misinformation. And and I do feel bad. I tell someone I'm like people are like, have you tried this wine? And there'd be like some sulfite. I'm like I'm like no. I'm I'm very fortunate that I don't I don't have a sensitivity to it, so I can't speak on it. But so if someone actually generally does, but do they really? Do they really know it's the sulfites? Have they been tested? I mean, do they really know that's what's giving the headache? Do they really know that? Yeah, it's like it's like like oh the tannins give me a headache, and I'm like, that's is not it that? Like, yeah, you know, or is don't it give you a headache? You want to say, <laughs> or is it is like, did you or did you just buy the nine dollar bottle of wine at the supermarket on your way and the checkout line? It's just kind of like there are other factors. It's just, you know, a lot of those things and myself included. And everybody knows this, like my pronunciations are terrible. You don't think I can I can't pronounce half the different things that go into wine, you know, that are that are manipulated. So it's um, we're all on the same page. You know, again, just further proof, we continue to have the best guests because we all think alike and we don't challenge each other. Um, <laughs> but uh, but with that said, I think it's I think it's a good time to share our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. OK, so I'm so excited about this first story and the reason being is because in addition to to having you know this really great podcast this really great instagram account and then overall just a really great personality mj you have a history in like wine auctions correct i do i do i do i do (laughs) and on this show historically the thing that chris and i are the most obsessed with are auctions we cannot get enough of them we had a segment at one point where we like tried to challenge each other on what we thought things would sell for at auction and stuff like that i mean it is it is completely ridiculous so today's story i thought was great for you because like this is a world that you're very familiar with and that i hope that in the future i can just pepper you with questions all the time because i again we find it absolutely fascinating but this is actually this is a fun one. This is a cool one. Um, the Christie's 2021 DWWA charity wine auction just raised the most money they've ever raised um, ever, and they sold 79 lots. They raised over eighty one thousand dollars. This was in England, so it was only seventy two euros, but eighty one thousand um, dollars. There was countries bidding on this stuff from our people from like North America, Europe, Asia. It was taking place over the phone. They had they had proxies there. Um, you had representation from Italy. You had the Rhone Valley. You had a, the white Burgundy. Looked like it was really popular. And um, there was like I said, seventy nine lots total. Some of these lots would consist of like sixty bottle mix and matches that one of them sold 
for roughly about a thousand dollars, which I was kind of like, I was like 60 bottles for a thousand dollars. Like this seems like a crazy good deal unless I just don't know what wine auctions would go for. So, um, so those, those are all the details. MJ, you've, you've been a part of kind of this world and stuff like that. Like when it comes to these auctions and especially when you incorporate a charity into it, like what are the important factors to you to make sure that your auction is successful? Well, it's funny you said. I mean, like that ain't shit. They only did what? How much did they do? Eighty nine thousand. That ain't shit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a charity. Like it's like I you know, know like, but these I are mean, tax write offs for I people. Mean, I know, but literally, <laughs> um, there was a wine auction. I want to say in New Orleans, it was in the states a couple weeks ago. Something to do with Emerald Lagasse, and uh, it was like a mat. It was like a three liter. I think it was like a three liter of the setting Cabernet Sauvignon. From uh, Sonoma, Alexander Valley, made by Jesse Katz. A million dollars for one fucking bottle. So, Chris, I don't know what they're doing over there. But, like, oh that, that's, like, that's not a lot. Um, I know Premier, Premier Napa Valley Auction does several million a year. Um, I, I, think, I think charity auctions are interesting. Um, because, um, well, one, auctions have changed. Um um, because of uh, uh, Acker Wines and Capon, because it, it became less stuffy. Like auctions were very, very stodgy and stuffy. And so when I worked with with uh, Acker in uh, early two thousand, early two thousand, like two thousand one, when I got on the podium, um, like it was a different vibe. You know, it was it was two young guys. We weren't British. All the auctioneers were British. The auction house were British. <laughs> no, they were. It was Sotheby's and Christie's. You know, and there was a. One out of Chicago, Davis and Company, but like Sotheby's and Christie's, they were the game. It was all about claret. It was all about Bordeaux. Um, Burgundy wasn't such a big deal back then as it is now. Um, but um, I think because I, I was I was I was up for a gig and they went they went the wrong direction and picked somebody else up up in Sonoma <laughs> for April. Um, but I told them I said I think I think you do you need to be entertaining. I think particularly at a charity. You really want to be entertaining and really engage and, 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 and engaging. Um, but I think with the thing with auctions, charity, it's it's. If you think, I mean, I'm, I I read the article and I was like, that's not really a lot of money. They just did the million dollars for the one three liter over here. Um, yeah. Um, auctions in Hong Kong, the United States, are crazy. They're crazy. We're talking. I think uh, Acker did an auction three weeks ago. Talking seventeen million in two days, Jesus. Okay, so let me ask. Uh, let me ask you this: so Like, there's, there's definitely. I mean, especially you went to the breakdown, right? Like, as you read the article, and you're kind of like, you're like, okay, eighty-one thousand dollars. Like, that's really great for a charity. They have all these different charities that they're going to contribute to. But then you get to the bottom, and you see like, wow, sixty bottle lots for 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 about a thousand dollars American, right? Um, I was kind of like, I was, I was like, yeah, okay, like that's something that I would potentially try to pull off. And so, do you think that? Because it's charity, you're probably getting donations, right? Yeah. Is is that maybe part of the part of the thing here where it's like, hey, these were all a bunch of donated bottles, so maybe they're not going to be, you know, something that everybody necessarily wants. It's kind of like it's like, oh, that's the wine for our Christmas party now, you know? Yeah, no, I, I would have to think looking at those prices and the size. Those are huge lots. Um, <clears throat> that's a huge lot, you know, sixty bottle lot. Um, yeah. Um, so 
it seems like they went around a bunch. It's almost like they went around a bunch of wine merchants and say, "Hey, what do you got?" You know, or right? Or, Give or, us your sample bottles. Yeah. Versus like here, like since you take like a premier Napa Valley wine auction, right? Fucking, there'll be like a special lot from Screaming Eagle that doesn't get released. Like, like people go in here, right? It'll be like you know, like yeah. like like people like the top winemakers make special cuvées type shit at our charity wine auctions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus, mm -hmm. um, what are you getting donated? Um, and then also, I mean, it depends again. Um, it, it depends on, you know, I don't know what's going on in the UK right now, but like, you know, if you go to a, a wine auction in Napa Valley, I mean, it's, it's 45 minutes from San Francisco, man. It's like, it's major money. And the thing that right. happened to auctions, this is the thing about auctions here in the States, I can say for sure. And also in Asia auction fever man like like somebody if a dude's got money if, if a person has money and generally wine auctions are male it's males it's it's very ego driven it's very it's very much a male thing it's like yeah you start betting it's it's betting like you're not like you're not you know like, i'm not i'm not losing to him like and people pay way more for shit because we call it auction fever you get caught up in the moment you get caught up in the moment don't want to put the paddle okay down. so so now my, my question here for you is as, you know, as an auctioneer and as someone who's like up for different gigs and stuff like that, do, I mean, does, does the resume of an auctioneer just consist of all the different shows that you did? Or do you have like a, I once auctioned off a $2 million bottle? Like, is there ever a weird flex like that in the auction game? Yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, my calling card these days is like, I got this great podcast and I know how to engage audiences and I know social media, but yeah, I mean, definitely you want to be like, if you, if you could say, you know, uh, I auctioned off $10 million worth of wine, that's going to go pretty far. Right. That's going right. to go pretty far. Right. Like, it, it's, it's and like, it, it's like, it's like, it's like anything else. It's like, it's like, like, it's like you hit more home runs, you score more touchdowns. I raised more dollars. So that is going right. to, that is going to be a, a super flex. Yeah, and that that does remind me uh one part of that interview that I read uh, earlier as well like you were in Idaho for a marketing summit and you went to a wine shop that was closed <laughs> and then the guy was like, you know, we're closed, you can't come in and you literally said to him, "But I'm the black wine guy" and had like your phone out with your Instagram followers which got you in, which is amazing. <laughs> Dude, that was so funny cuz I probably had like 2000 followers. I wasn't even big, but I other I was like but I'm the black wine guy. Look, <laughs> and he let me which in. could have, which could have gone equally as bad. Exactly, like that could have been. It, 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 I was in Boise, Idaho. We could have been like, <laughs> yeah, like that could have been the that could have been this moment where it was like your trajectory could have changed, uh, right? Like you know, now you're at this point where you have you know more, way more than two two thousand. But like you know, maybe if that doesn't go your way, you're kind of like, well, maybe this isn't for me. Exactly. Like maybe this doesn't have the clout that I thought. Exactly, and and it was so cool. Shout out to Dave at City Center Wines in Boise, Idaho. Go check him out if you're there. It is a great shop. He loves Italian wines. And then I went back again. It's so funny, but that's the, that's the great thing. Then I went back again, and uh, and then I was in there, and um, the the he, one of his customers, his daughter owns this really cool, kind of more natural wine based shop in Brooklyn, <laughs> and uh, and you start to, and you make these connect. The wine world gets really small, but yes, that could have went either way. And but that was a lot of fun, and that was that's just one of those crazy things, like. You know, um, you know, it's that 
And that that's so funny that I said that. I can't even but I literally I was like I I was like I was on a break from the seminar. I was like, yo, let me run this wine store. Let me get some shit to drink tonight after the after, you know, after I'm finished, you know, because they, they close at they close at six, blah, blah, blah. And he let me yeah. in. That was fun. <laughs> it's amazing what we get away with in this industry. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, Chris, okay, you read you read the article. What were some of your thoughts and I mean, do you have any auction questions? Because I because I know that you're you're the same as me that we just like nerd out on this auction stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was kind of um, interested in seeing. Obviously, th- this article didn't go too into depth as to like what what the breakdown was for what sold. I was interested in seeing white burgundy uh, moving moving pretty well uh, in there. And you know, here in here in uh, uh, California, like Chardonnay is kind of hit and miss now. And I don't know, I you know that's just our bubble, right? I don't know how it is in the rest of the rest of the country, if not the rest of the world. But uh, uh, and so white burgundy being pretty heavily Chardonnay uh, influenced, I was pretty interested in, in seeing that do so well. I, I guess also we're, we are talking about Europe here, so Chardonnay they don't have the same, uh, they don't have the Rombauer effect that that we do. Oh my God, he said the Rombauer effect. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, I mean, okay, okay, Andrew, let me ask you this then. Um, and sorry, Chris, it, to interrupt, but because you brought up Ron Bauer, this is your fault. Um, you know, we're obviously very close to it here in California, but is that like an issue everywhere where like older white women only want to drink Ron Bauer? Ron Bauer, it's the biggest sell, you know what? The okay, so Ron Bauer, but that's like. That's for like baller, baller white women. Most right. Kendall Jackson, the two best selling wines in America are Kendall Jackson Chardonnay and Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, that Kim Crawford, man. We we pushed uh at my old my old bar um uh, Red Rabbit when I first moved to Sacramento. We pushed so much Kim Crawford Sauvy B. Woo! We, yeah, we and, and, through cases, man. But yeah, to your point, I mean Ron Bauer, I mean these things start out like they, they things People start out. I think people start out with good intentions, and then then they go awry. You know what I mean? Then they go off. Um, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I have a I have a little part time gig at Whole Foods because I like selling. I work. I like retail just because you see what's going on with people. And and listen, man, we ever since I've been working here like three years. Floor Ron Bauer is consistently floor stacked. Consistently, you know. Yeah. And and. And mark down from forty five to thirty six, and it's just going. And I literally, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I got like five other shards. I would love for you to try if you're gonna spend that much money on a shard, you know. But they want that butter. They want that big oaky buttery. Well, it's it's totally it. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely like one of those things. My. my mother-in-law is is obsessed with it and and I just do everything that I can to like introduce new concepts and kind of be like hey you know I have this like even with this this you know French wine book that that I have access to you know we have these really beautiful white burgundian wines and I am just floored by it because I was convinced based off of my California Chardonnay experience that I was not a Chardonnay fan. And it just turns out that it's like, no, 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 no. That was not the scenario whatsoever. It was like, you just, you just got to introduce to like this one certain aspect of it. And when you actually get into other parts of the world, 
that are that are producing this and like you know now i'm like i'm like okay i get it i get why the french are cocky now like i get it you know before i was like whatever california kid you know like we have great wine and then now i'm like i'm like oh do we do we have great wine there's lots of great chardonnays out of california though to be let's be fair let's be honest i mean like i just think overall for what you're saying though i mean like you can get to your point like first of all white burgundy's out of control it's just cost too much like crew white burgundy um Mm -hmm. thanks a lot nba players uh liking white burgundy (laughs) Burgundy. um they're at they're at fault for a lot of things recently they 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 took us out on on cognac last week now they're taking us out on white burgundy unbelievable um but like to your point though like you can get a village if you like like burgundy is like really i tell people i know enough about wine which is more than most people, but like, I'm not, I'm not a Psalm. I don't want to blind taste and I want to do all that shit. Um, but like, once you get to know, like, if you know enough, like, like you can have a village wine, like a Mekong Balai, you can have a village wine or just a Burgonia, but it could be like right next to Pliny Montrachet, but they can't call it Pliny Montrachet or it could have like 35% Pliny Montrachet fruit in it. And then it's getting to know like, holy shit. Like I've got like some, some 20, $30 uh, white Bergs that are killer. Cause I know the neighborhood they're in and like, you know, you know, and so, so that, and then even then, like I bought like a $15, uh, Veer Kless, which is a village Burgundy. And it's like a 2014, $15. I bought it two years ago. I bought a couple, I still have a bottle left. It was still evolving, man. Like, so there is that thing, but like, to your point, I think it's you, you know, one of the issues in California, like California is tricky. Let me tell you something. 20 to, to $50, you can get burned in California, particularly on Chardonnay, if you know what you're doing. Like, yeah. just, just because, yep. because, because it's America, you can slap a label. I said in the episode with Dan, like, we're really good at creating the illusion of value. So, like, people just can, you can slap a label on there confidently, good looking label. And, 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 and you could be disappointed in that range versus, like, but, like, you know, like, uh, Argo out of Sonoma. Oh my God. Farron. But these are like, a lot of these wines are mailing lists too. That becomes a problem. Like it's hard, like knowing what to go into a store that you, any store you can go in and buy, that's going to be good. That, that can be tricky, but you got to, I tell people you don't learn, you learn about wine by tasting it. So. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the tough part for, for most people, myself included is trying to, trying to, you know, find that happy window and then, have the talking points or at least the things to look for. So, so Chris, you know, you, you carry a lot of wines in between that 20 to 50, you know, range. And I try not to do this, but you've always done a pretty great job with the things that you've got me in that price range. Oh, you mean compliment um, me? You so, try not, you try not to compliment me. Is that what you're that's saying? True. Yeah. I heard. That's what I'm trying that's to say. I just want I to clarify. Just, just want to keep you in check here. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. With that being the case, now you have you have this you have this window as a as a retailer, and you know kind of you know especially for your shop, which is uh, what 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 was the phrase that we decided to run with? Um, the cultivated the uh, in, intentionally cultivated. That's not what we said. Intentionally we said. cultivated, you know, list is what are you looking for as as a shop that that way. You know, to MJ's point, that 
your customers don't walk away feeling burned in that price range? Like what are the things that you look for in that, in that price point? Well, it has to taste good first. I, I drink everything that comes in. Um, uh, and I mean, everything I, there's, there's not a single bottle of wine that's on my shelf that I haven't tasted. Um, uh, that being said, there are things that necessarily aren't necessarily my flavor profile. I can just tell that they're good. And that, that yeah. just comes yeah. from, you know, they're made well, you know, it, it might not be what I like, mm-hmm. but you know, I know good wine versus shitty wine. I've, I've consumed more than enough shitty wine in my life, more than good wine. I dare say, uh, I'm very lucky to be on the trajectory of my life where, where that out like the last few years, it's been outweighed in good wine, but definitely the majority of my life has been really, really awful wine. So I, I know a bad wine when I taste it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that that certainly makes uh, makes a lot of sense. I'm still working through, I think, some of that phase of my life of of lots of lots of bad ones. Um, you know, you know, there's this funny there was this funny time that um, at the shop when when Em and I were building out our our wine list early on or like wine selection early on and, and people just kept bringing us dope wine after dope wine after dope wine. And I just kept saying yes and yes and yes. And I started to like question my own my own palate and like my own abilities. And I was like, man, I, and I literally, literally stood up after a tasting looked at Emma. I was like, I don't know if I'm good at this. Like everything's good. I don't know if I can tell. And literally 20 minutes later, someone came in with another tasting and put down a shitty wine in front of me. And both, both Emma and I like shook our heads. We're like, Nope, push the glass away from us. We're like, nah, we're good. Please. No, please leave. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> um, okay. So, MJ, to throw it back to you, uh, one of the things that you said is like, you know, the only way that you get you get better at this stuff is is just by tasting, right? And that's something that we preach constantly on this show. It's like drink everything, you know, um, even if you don't like it mm-hmm. to you want to add to your vocabulary, mm-hmm. right? And it's like today and this will resonate more with our listeners like but I today I drink a bourbon and Yes, once again, it was very underwhelming. However, amongst the group I was tasting with, I had to, I was like the most positive voice for it, which I thought was so hilarious because usually I'm the label, the guy who hates bourbon. Um, And my, and the the reason being is was like, they just, you know, they were, they just weren't really giving it time to develop on their palate and stuff like that. It just like, you know, by the time you got to the end, I was like, yeah, this tastes like a bourbon. It's just a little, just not as aggressive um, up front, but Sorry, that tangent there. But to to bring it back to the wine, and you know, uh, I think I think a position that a lot of our listeners find themselves in, and myself included, is you go to a restaurant. It's a nice restaurant, um, but you just don't have the vocabulary, or you don't want to be sitting there like on your phone googling stuff the whole time. But like, do you feel that there's like a safe space for people to be like, if you buy a wine? In this price range from this region, you're probably going to be okay. Oh, that's tough. Um, <clears throat> that's a tough. That's a good question. Um, bec- you know, I would say, um, I would say, they would want to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think a lot of people. One thing with wine, people, people, people get intimidated. People think they're supposed to know about wine. Right? People think I don't know why people think they're supposed to know about wine. 
right? <laughs> they do. They do. They're, they're they like do. me. They drank a ton of shitty wine thinking that it was supposed to be good wine. You know? Um, but, oh, so, so I think I asked a similar question before. I think, like, ooh. And then, and then it's, like, tough. It depends on the type of place. Like, if you're in California, like, and you're in a bistro, you should have access to some decent wines and there should be at least one person one person but here's the thing when you when you know they should ask you what have you liked in the past like i I try and ask people like i'm like well what have you liked in the past right so people mm. because people come in all the time they don't realize how much fucking wine there is in the world and they're like i'll recognize a label no you won't you're not gonna recognize a label all right <laughs> should have took a picture you know, but I'm like, all right. and then created a folder for it because you can't just take a picture. Right. You have to have a folder for you it. Totally that's do. where I mess up. Right. I'm trying to do these fucking end of the year posts. I'm like, Jesus, I got 5,000 pictures to scroll through. When did I post that first? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like next year, literally, I'm like next year, you're doing folders for this shit. Um, right. Right. Totally. But, but like, um, you know, because if, if, if someone, if you can take the time to take some notes, put it in a folder. I'm like, okay. Like people are like, oh, this was the best wine ever. I'm like, okay, you know, it's, it's okay. Wine. Like, like I don't want like, I don't say that to him, but like, it, like, it's not the best wine ever. It's a fucking, yeah. it's, 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 it. And I tell people, I'm like, okay, how much you pay for it? Like it was this much in a restaurant. Okay. I'm like, okay, it was 35. So that means it's like a $12 bottle of wine in the store. I'm like, okay. Right. I'm like, okay. I mean, this is the best example. I'm like, okay. The thing about, Sauvignon Blancs from New Zealand, they come from Marlborough. So at that price, and they, they get mad. I'm like, but just about any Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc in twelve to fifteen dollars is going to taste the same. You're you're not getting this. You're not getting single vineyard shit. Like I don't say shit to them, but like, but like, or I'm like, <laughs> or, but I'm like, well, what did you like about that wine? So if someone says, you know, well, it was really rich and buttery, you know, then. Then I know they had like a Rombauer knockoff, and I point them to like butter, right? And 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 like like you like you said, Chris. Listen, I don't like Loire Valley Chenin Blanc, but I'll drink an Olga Ruffo because I know she's a great producer, and I know it's supposed to taste like truffles and mushrooms and leather. It's not my flavor profile, but I will drink it. And as a merchant, you know you need to have that for those Loire Valley free, and you know it's a good bottle of wine, right? But it is. People need to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you don't like the answer, because that's just too tough a question. I mean, I, if I had, if I, if I had, like, if gun to my head, um, yes, uh, Argentinian Malbec has a pretty good, um, has a pretty good. Uh, they're dialed in like New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs now, right? Like they're dialed in, right? Like there's a flavor profile, right? Yeah, and and yeah. and and for most people, you know. I would rather them do that than get like the Cabernet Sauvignon in the same price range, to be honest with you. Cause I, I would, I'd want to introduce them to uh, uh, actually a Bordeaux varietal, you know, grown in a different country. Cause you're actually expanding their wine knowledge and their palate just by taking them to a grape that is big and full bodied like Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's actually grown in Argentina. And then you can tell them a story. So that's kind of, you know, that's where I would go today. I think that's I think that's great. I mean, and and it is one of my favorite questions to to ask wine people because it legitimately kind of breaks their brains in a way because your because your first thought is like to definitely go to 
oh, well, maybe if you do like a Spanish wine in between like 50 to 70, like you're going to be probably pretty good. And then like to kind of come back. Now that you no mention one's it ever... though, Spain is probably, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Uh, actually, you're probably, listen, I have had, I've had $4 Spanish wines that slap. See, I, I had a, I had a Spanish wine that I paid $7 a bottle for it. It was a 2015 um, Mencia ridiculous so there you go see you know see drew knows so guys if they have <laughs> spanish wine go to spain you're probably going to be safe and seriously i think spanish wines are so for i had a conversation with someone the other day i was like i was like why is spanish wine still so underrated and like well that in portugal i understand portugal a little bit because people know portugal for port people don't realize they actually make dry wines here but spain has been making yeah. wine as long as italy france and like, if you like a fifty dollars Spanish wine would cost you one hundred fifty and two hundred bucks out of Napa, right? Totally. The, the value, yeah. It, the value is is ridiculous. Yeah, and that's like one of one of the things that I've gotten more into is is these Portuguese wines, um, you know, and learning about those. We have a bunch of them in our portfolio that I've like tried to get further and further into, and then you know because of that, it's like it's like, hey, what are the other underrated regions? And it's always Spain. Like anybody that I talk to, you know, that I, that I have this level of respect for, like the, they're always just like, like, Oh, drink more Spanish wines, drink, drink more Spanish wines, drink more Spanish wines. And, um, and I love that. And I think that's like one of the things that hopefully people can, you know, look at this as a takeaway. So, so we started with charity auctions and now we're telling <laughs> you guys go drink, go drink some Spanish wines and, and all that. But that's the beauty of, of these conversations Absolutely. and then also also being a little <laughs> bit into this but i think we gotta go into our next story Yo. Uh. okay so our next story and now i feel like terrible about this because i was going to keep it super open-ended but considering that the fact that our last conversation just went completely off the rails who knows how long this podcast will be but i'm looking forward to it it's going to be fun um okay so chris you sent this to me the other day and basically it just says should we get rid of banquet seating now the article goes on to talk about banquet seating and some uh, of uh, the positive sorry specifically banquet seating not banquet seating banquet okay banquet it's a very seat. very very big difference there pronunciation not my strength banquet seating so that's basically as a uneducated man like myself i'd be like Oh, we're sitting in a booth tonight. It's a booth seating um, for my fellow uneducated folk. So they talk a little bit about the positive, you know, the positives to it. Like everybody feels engaged. Everybody's right next to each other. But then immediately it goes into talking about how, you know, it's not very friendly to uh, it's not friendly at all. Not even kind of it's like not friendly at all to anybody who's in a wheelchair any type of special need whatsoever um it's also a nightmare for servers it's a nightmare for anybody who has to deal with that table if you're sitting in the middle you might just be overwhelmed by the stimulation although if anybody is a larry david fan there was an episode earlier this season about being a good middler so if you haven't <laughs> watched that i highly recommend it because it is once again, that Joe, that show is just fucking genius. Like the Midler episode is amazing, but and then you know talks about just completely eliminating this whatsoever. And I'll be honest with you, 
it got me a little fired up and I just was like, I can't wait to argue with Chris about this because this is such a ridiculous concept and I'm so sick of these things. And it's just like, can't we just have both? But Chris, when you saw this, when you saw this article and you read this article and you were like, I want to talk about this on the show, which I assume was the case because we just send articles to each other all week and they just kind of go back and forth. And then I just go back to the most recent one I find from you. And that's one of the ones that we do. What was, what was (laughs) it about? (laughs) (laughs) What was it about this article that you're like, we need to talk about this. You know, it's funny. I, I actually, um, I just thought that you would find the article really interesting. I, I wasn't thinking, I thought this might be too, um, hot of a topic for you drew well because the, the only reason it might be too hot is you actually know how i feel about things and you don't you don't get the sanitized version like a lot of people get on the podcast you kind of be like be like oh drew probably has some opinion that's not going to sit well with people like how i do on this on this story so i don't like i don't appreciate the fact that you're baiting me with these <laughs> with these uh, stories but what i took it as i'm a good maybe, entertainer it may be you say and maybe you guys have thoughts. And th- so my 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 thought process was after reading it was like, okay, we kind of set the table. This is what this article was. But I see what you did there. Since all of Setting us the table, since that all was good. Yep, yep. Since since all of us have been in this industry, I don't want to eliminate the banquet. Okay, but <laughs> okay. I do want to talk about. Okay, what would you eliminate in the restaurant setting? that you think would at would be an added value for every restaurant and stuff, which I probably should have prefaced you guys with this, but I came up with it recently. So, um, so that, that's where my mind went. Cause it was just kind of like, like, Oh my God, he wants to eliminate booth seating. And you know, you know, he's making this big deal about having to shuffle yourself over to get to the middle. It's like, listen, I get it. I'm an edge sitter. I'm an edge, you know, sitter in those things. Like I want to be on the outside. I want the quick escape. I don't mind getting up three to four times if someone has to go to a bathroom, but I want to be on the edge. So, so let me, so let me throw it to you guys. Like after, after reading this article, what, what would it, you know, give me your thoughts, Chris. And then if you do have something that you would eliminate out of a restaurant, what would it be? Okay. I think it's important to, to recognize that the the person who wrote, this article is a um, a very talented writer uh, with cerebral palsy, right? And so, so this is don't guilt a, me. This don't is guilt a me very. Right now. Uh, it says so in the article, Drew. You just need to read it. <laughs> what uh, this this article definitely comes from from that point of view, and I it was a. a Admittedly, a point of view that um, I had not thought of when thinking of uh, banquets and booths. Uh, and honestly, it, it was it's a very uh, poignant article for me because I'm in the midst of designing a brand new restaurant. Right. And so when when thinking about how to do that and and all the all the pros and cons and design capabilities and lack of ability and things that you're handcuffed to and not handcuffed to and what you can control and what you can't control. It was an interesting perspective for me because it entered my, my mindscape at exactly the time when I needed to be thinking about it. Um, and honestly, I, I don't think that it's necessary to get entirely rid of banquets. I think banquets definitely have, um, a place for comfort and, uh, that's, 
that's necessary for a lot of a lot of people. I mean, a, a restaurant, a bar is meant to be a place of comfort, and you're not going to always um, be comfortable for all people all the time. It's just you know that's why we have a million fucking bars in in the world, and they're not all just TGI Fridays, right? Um, but you can you can as a neighborhood joint, you can find ways of of threading the needle. You know, sometimes you'll be successful, and sometimes you won't. Um, but in this case, you know, I, I immediately, I was the, the, the floor plan we were going with for our dining room was two banquettes and a bunch of booths lining, lining an entire wall. And so now immediately I've gotten rid of those booths on the long wall and I'm doing, I'm going to do a long strip wall, like, um, like bench seating all the way down. Mm. And so, and so we've kind of threaded the needle at least a little bit on, on that. We still have, still have some logistics we got to work out and, um, and it, it changes the way that we kind of envision thing. And then the way you see, see the, 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 the flow of an evening in your, in your mind's eye. But um, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with, uh, with this perspective. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this perspective. I just, I, I, admit that i hadn't thought about it before always 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 thinking of others that's what i love about you mj what did you think of this article what are some of your impressions if there is something you can eliminate from restaurant what is it oh um it's it's the tip jar at those places where they don't actually provide service um (laughs) (laughs) oh my god lovely no cheers to that that is such a great answer Um, oh my god (laughs) Fucking takeout. When I when I fuck. Oh my god! You know what's um, really cool um, is that I have this podcast and I have really cool people on my podcast. And one of the guests on my podcast is a uh, Sam, and he now he's a restaurateur and he's an entrepreneur named Yannick Benjamin. And people may know Yannick if they've seen the first Sam movie. He's a Sam who is actually disabled. He's in a wheelchair and. Um, he was he he wasn't always disabled. <clears throat> he tells a story on my podcast. He was in a car accident, and and he didn't want his career in hospitality in. So he like built a table for his chair, and and uh, so he could so he could stay on the floor and still be a psalm. Now he just opened a restaurant, and I, you guys can Google it and 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 just uh, you, you just Google Contento NYC, and it's getting lots of accolades, not just for the food, but it, it is the it is probably the most um, it is the most accessible restaurant in probably the world. Like it's because the one of the owners, two, both two of the owners, they are they are are in wheelchairs. So like they've done things like you don't we don't even think about like the tables are at a certain height. So you're never you know how the boss uses those uh in those movies where the boss sits up way higher and he's looking down on you like like yeah they've shifted the dynamics. Um, they actually do have some banquette seating in there actually. So I don't know that that needs to go, but there is a lot. I think the whole design of the place, everything's a little bit lower so he can look his customers in the eye. Um, So I I think there is a need for that. Um, But um, that would be my, 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 I would say, go do some research. You guys, especially you, uh, uh, Chris, as you're just like, there was just another written up like in everything, um, all these, he's been on TV about like how this restaurant is like the first 
really accessible restaurant for everyone. Um, and so there is a need for it, but there is banquet seating in there. So, so there you go. They cracked the code. Yeah. They cracked the yeah, code yeah, is what they did. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, I think that's, that in- that's just so cool. I mean, I, there's just continues to validate uh, what I've always said, which is just, uh, you know, the hospitality industry is meant for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's just, it's just a lack of imagination that keeps people out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think so. But then also sometimes it's, and this is a great example of it is, you know, Chris, you're so like you're, you're knee deep in this preparation for this stuff. And sometimes when you're so close to a project, you're like, you're like, you don't see how something can be problematic. Right. And, and I think that just happens, you know, to, to all of us where you're kind of like, you know, you see all these different ad campaigns and things that go out and MJ, I'm sure you can appreciate this as a marketing guy where you're kind of like, you're all, how did that get past so many people? You know, (laughs) that this thing is so egregiously dumb, offensive, whatever, just completely misses the mark. And it's just because you have all these people who aren't, who are either so close to it or they're just completely not paying attention, you know, and they're, they're oblivious to kind of what that stuff is going on. So, I guess from that perspective, I mean, you know, this this is a. I, I think so much of of where our industry at right now is just just starting the conversation, right? So I came in with a obviously a, a certain mindset at the beginning of this, and then now, ten minutes later, I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm seeing this completely different now, and I do think a lot of these conversations start in our industry and end in our industry. So you know. So, so that I, I retract my feelings, well, my I'm, initial I'm curious, feelings I'm towards this article. I'm curious what your initial feelings were and, and not to put you in the hot seat, but more so so that way we can, we can have an understanding of the conversation. The point's not to have an argument, right? The point is to have a conversation and a conversation is two-sided and you have to, as someone who wants to have a, a mindful conversation, uh, you have to be willing to listen, even if you don't agree. Well, so I think, which I, think I never agree with you, it's so like, it's fine. <laughs> I think, I think initially you read it, or I read it, and I just was like, I was like, oh my god, just like more things to complain about, and 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 all this. Not that I didn't feel for their plight, because it's definitely a world that's not built for people with disabilities. That's there's there's no doubt about it. But it was like. You know, these things like they make the restaurants too cramped and stuff like that. And then my mind immediately went to like, just go somewhere else. Like, well, you know, Chris, to what you, you that, said. That's, that's kind of like my thing, too, though. I'm be, I'll be keeping 100 <laughs> with you, man. There, I mean, yeah. like, I saw some shit today. I'm not going to say what it was on on IG. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, like, like there is there is some shit where 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 you are making issues out of that, like. We, you know, you're making issues that don't need to be issues. There's issues like, like I'm not this. This needs to be an issue. But what did what did what did Yannick do? He went and got his own fucking restaurant. He didn't go pick it and blah blah blah. He's like, fuck it. He went and actually fixed this shit, right? Yeah. And then what yeah, I would, like, and then what I would say, I I I speculate with how much he's been in the news. This is a writer who who has um who has special needs because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so she saw that and she's writing an article, but has she actually worked in hospitality? Like there, that's another thing too. Like that, that, that becomes my thing. So I would, to Drew, what I would say to you is like, it is good sometimes to, to hold shit in and then have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like there is shit I see every day. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's not an issue. Don't make that an issue here. 
right? Like, don't make that issue here. But then it's also the source. Like, he's literally, he's been all over the news. Eater is probably, on, like, I'm like, but did she actually work in hospitality? Like, was it, like, did she not get a job? So, like, that being said, I, I think we, 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 it's good to have these conversations. But there are some shit that just is just stirring the pot. I, I will just say that. I'm older than you guys. And people stir the pot. I would just tell you that. <laughs> there's there's definitely one. And and I definitely want to table this conversation and see if we can do this stuff off recording. Sure. Because there's a few things right now that, that I'm looking at that I'm like, I'm trying to be empathetic towards. And I do feel that I have a, I have a great deal of empathy. And I've been, I've been really trying to be conscious of it. But like, I'm just really struggling with a couple of things right now. Or it's just kind of like, it's like, oh my God, exactly to what you just said. is like, you're cultivating problems and in all honesty, there is a bigger problem here that you're ignoring. Exactly. You know? That's not I'm like that's not the issue. That's yeah. not the, that's not, yeah. So yeah. So all right. Well, okay. the The big hits can can stay, and then we're also going to make some changes. But we're going to go check out Yannick's um, <laughs> restaurant because I want to see what that looks like. That sounds yeah. Me too. That I'm sounds very fucking excited. awesome. And we'll I'll, I'll, I'll tag the uh, the Instagram of, of con, uh, Contento, Contento, yeah, in, uh, in the uh, the show notes, yeah. and uh, you know we'll we'll get cool. people checking it out just so we can continue this conversation, man. I think anybody who's being proactive about about uh, seeing an issue and they feel like they can they can maybe not solve it, but they have a different viewpoint on it, and they're being proactive about about adding their voice to the conversation. Uh, like I think that's rad. Like let's let's you know if we can't cure it let's uh let's like at least move like three steps forward you know who's dope them over there all right so now it's time for the dope follows of the week we all know this is my favorite section and this is where we're going to give you dope people to check out in various forms could be books movies podcasts much like the black eye wine experience was a few weeks ago was one of our dope follows. So we're going to give you dope follows to check out. Um, MJ, let's start with you. Who is your dope follow? Who do our listeners need to go check out? You know, they need to go check out. They need to check out um, uh, on Instagram. It's um, at soil pimp. Um, (laughs) You know, like what I love about, what we're doing, like you have the opportunity to meet people you wouldn't get to meet. I met this guy, Robert, follow him on Instagram. He's, I was like, this guy's got like 20 something thousand followers, 20 K followers. And, um, you know, Robert is like this really chill dude who does these events called Riesling study. Um, he just did a big one in Chicago. Um, but like, he's like, he has the largest collection of German wines in America. He put me back onto Riesling. He's super into music. Um, he's a fucking cool dude, man. Like, yeah, he's a really cool dude. He's a dope dude. If you're, if you're, if your followers want to find out more about um, Riesling in particular, but like, but like, just a guy who he's down to freaking earth, super generous, great content, and 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 literally, he's got a dope ass life. Kind of kind of dude who like goes to Paris for the weekend and has dinner and shit. But it's not pretentious. It's just like it's like it's just his life. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm checking out. His I want to not pretentiously right go to Paris and eat dinner for. I, there's a the, my wife and I went to Paris on our honeymoon, and there's a restaurant. Um, 
It's a neighborhood restaurant that we went to uh, called Shame on Me. That was just so dope. We had such a blast. All the like the owner, bartender, chefs, like everybody was pretty wasted at the point in time of the night that we got there. And they were just, I mean, they were ragging on everybody. The place was packed tight. Like you couldn't get away with that in like the now times, but uh, that place was so fire. I can't wait to go back because the experience there was so rad. I understood like none of the menu because it was all in French and uh, I just wanted stuff. I was like, that looks good. I don't know. Like I kind of understand that word, send it, let's go. And the, like, it was like a pseudo open kitchen. It was like one of those like flapping doors, you know? Uh, and so the chef would occasionally <laughs> like poke his head out with his glass of wine and make the bartender fill up his glass of wine and then like go back in and they'd yell at each other and tell jokes. That was great. I want to non-pretentiously fly to Paris just so I could go eat there. I think it's a, it's a hard thing to pull off, but, but I think, I think Soil Pimp is doing it. And so just so everybody knows it's S O I L P I M P. He's the prophet of soil. Um, and he has his own playlist. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm dude, he's through dope. This. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He's fucking dope, man. He has a he has a Riesling study playlist. Now, our listeners will know that that I'm a big fan of of these like booze driven playlists. Like you know, going back to like the Highland Park one, which yeah, you wouldn't think I that still there's, listen like, to a, that. There's it's such a great like. Edge, I know you're not a big spirits guy, but like if you're ever drinking single malt whiskey, mm-hmm. um, the Highland Park one okay. is amazing. I'm on it. Um, it's uh, I might have to send you the link directly because I feel like nobody can actually find yeah, it unless the I link. send them the link. Send me the link. But uh, but it's awesome. So I, he's got I, he's the, got the a, issue. The issue with the Highland Park one is that there's uh there's like several church ones that are that are attached. Like that, like I, I had to like weed through them. I was like, ah, that's God. That's different. Ah, that's God. Hey, there's whiskey. There we go. Oh yeah. So this is a two and a half hour, uh, playlist. Yeah. I'm definitely. Yeah. I'm excited I'm about this. Jumping this is on great. This one. I love our dope falls. Our dope falls have been so good recently. Like all the ones that have been recommended to us because obviously our guests are dope. And it's like, you guys just every single time you bring the coolest, the coolest stuff. So, um, so thank you. All right. I'm going to put, I'm going to put that there. Chris, who's your, uh, who's your don't follow this week? Uh, I got two, uh, this week. They're both on Instagram. Um, and one of them's on Instagram and, uh, and YouTube. It is, uh, the first one is my lighthearted one. I guess they're both lighthearted, uh, snowboarding to survive because it's just starting to, to rain here in Sacramento, uh, which means that there's snow in the foothills, uh, I am broke. I am busy, and I've got a I've got a uh, almost two year old <laughs> daughter. So I will probably not be able. I'm like I'm already begging. It was fall, and I started begging my wife, being like, "Hey, I need to go. Like, I need to go. I need I need like I need two days. Can I get two days? Can we get two days in the snow. Can I just go play in the snow? I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, she's been listening to these podcasts, so hopefully she hears this, and I'm like, she can hear the like the pain in my voice. And she goes, here, babe, you can go. It's fine. That'd Don't do nice. it, Jen. Don't let him. Uh, he doesn't deserve it. Anyway, so she's been she's been pained by uh, uh, laying next to me in bed watching me uh, watch these different uh, snowboarding videos on Instagram. Um, yeah, this one is snowboarding to survive. It's been great. It's a, uh, it's it's like both kept me hungry for the snow and like satiated me a little bit. So it was good. Uh, my next one is the Pravada C- uh, Cigar Club uh on on instagram i uh i have recently 
uh, brought in cigars into into Good Bottle, it was a pain in my fucking ass to get cigars. Cigar um, culture, cigar, um, like the market is not a common sense market. Like, like getting <laughs> getting into it is is difficult. Finding dope cigars to be able to sell is really difficult. You have to know people. I like I have hit up. So I'm on like three waiting lists that are like nine months long for like pretty legit cigars. Their minimum orders are substantial uh, when they actually allow me to be able to buy them. Um, and so it's it's been it's been a real pain in my ass. Uh, but a friend of a friend uh, got me in touch with these guys at Bravada Cigar Club. They've been amazing. They are they're from the industry as well. They uh, they own a couple night. Their family owns a couple nightclubs and restaurants in Miami. Uh, and in like South Florida and they had, a uh, they had cultivated a lot of, uh, a lot of these, uh, um, contacts and relationships throughout that time. I think through, throughout the years of their family, just like owning shit. And, uh, and they were able to develop this cigar club. Um, but very boutique. Uh, it's very, it's very niche, but that you can also like go onto their website and buy like big name cigars. Uh, but they, I, they've been in constant contact with me helping curate our selection, uh, slowly and strategically at good bottle. Um, they have amazing videos on, on their cigars, on what it takes to make a good cigar on the different rollers and the people who produce cigars. Um, and they're really entertaining. They're, they're relatively young. They're, you know, they're our age, Drew. I like to think that we're young. Um, even though we're (laughs) very cranky, um, and, uh, I, I've learned a lot from them. So, uh, Pravada cigar club, um, P R I V A D a cigars. If you don't know how to spell cigar, I, I got nothing for you and club again, all one word. Um, yeah, it's red. I like that. I, uh, I recently just opened up, uh, a new account down in Napa. It's called the Napa, uh, cigar club. And, um, it's just dope to be down there. And I, I mean, I, I love being in Napa, especially their downtown area. And then like this cigar club is, is great. And I always, I always joke with like the big time cigar guys that they're like, like, Hey, do you like cigars? And I, I'm like, I, I'm an aspiring cigar smoker. Um, I definitely enjoy it when I do it. It just, you know, I just, I haven't been able to dedicate the band, the bandwidth. So I'll check that out and hopefully they'll, they'll, uh, you know, continue to push me towards that direction. But like those guys gave me a cigar. They're like, this is really good. And it's nice. I'm like, I'm like, okay, all right. I, I will eventually smoke this. I don't know when, but, um, they just remind me, uh, I got like two sticks. Somebody gave me some two really good sticks this summer. And like, I'm like, I don't even know where they are. Shit. I hope, I. well, I think that, I, I think the tough thing for, for, for people, you know, maybe MJ you're in the same position. It's like, it's like, it's not that I dislike it. I just, I also know that it's like, if I smoke this cigar, I'm going to have to take like two to three showers yeah, to like, get. I don't have that, like, that. it's like, it's like a two and a half hour thing, you know, which is great. Right. I, I love that aspect of it, but it's like, it is, it is an investment that, you know, I don't know. Then, you know, then they're sitting there telling me like, you, know, you got to make sure that it burns evenly the whole time or, or the whole, the whole thing will be like thrown off. And I'm like, I'm like, well, now you're making it seem like homework. And now that doesn't, now that doesn't sound as much fun, but they were great. So that's, that's cool. I'm going to have to, I'll check out that one as well. And then, so um, to wrap it up, mine is a completely, completely ridiculous one. And I actually have a lot of like fun stuff that I've been able to follow recently, but the one I want to highlight is um, 
It's an Instagram account and it's called Marvel at Whiskey. And what this account does is, um, you know, our, our, our uh, listeners are familiar with like the Scotch Trooper. You know, the Scotch Trooper used to take stormtroopers and put them into like the figurines and put them into situations with Scotch bottles. And unfortunately, you know, we, we lost him uh, last year to, to a battle with cancer. Um, but this is another account that does a similar thing uh, and is actually and actually multiple times collaborated with, with the Scotch Trooper. But he does it with Marvel figurines so like the most recent one here is like the the hulk smashing a bottle of 12 year hakushu japanese whiskey and then um he does a lot of like the deadpool inspired japanese um figure and it's just it's really cool stuff um so yeah a lot of deadpool some some stormtrooper stuff is in there but you know as someone who has a has more wrestling figures than he probably should as an adult. Um, I love seeing stuff like this. So uh, it's just, it's a nice way to kind of mix things up and it's just fun. It's entertaining. Um, Again, it's Marvel at whiskey and whiskey is spelled correctly without the E. Uh, (laughs) I was going to, I was going to ask you that. I, I looked it up while you were talking, but I, 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 Want yeah. to make sure that Marvel uh, at whiskey spelled it met, correctly. It met the the Drew bare minimum for excess uh, acceptability. That that's that <laughs> that is true. That is that is true. But uh, but you know what? Those those were some pretty dope follows, you guys. I like those. Another good week. Uh, music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by the Moore Brothers and produced pretty well by us two guys today. Yay, you're welcome. Before we go kill these bottles that we are drinking, we ask that if you enjoyed today's episode, because obviously you did, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Good Bottle Podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is dgarrison6 and Chris is Chris Sinflair. Um, MJ, where can they find you on the interwebs? Um, I am at Black Wine Guy on Instagram, at Black Wine Guy on Twitter, uh, Black Wine Guy Facebook page, or the best way, one of the best ways, it's either IG or Gil. Go to blackwineguy.com and get on my email list. And uh, I send out all types of goodies every now and then uh, for my musings as, as such. So there you go. Definitely check him out, you guys. It's it's he's such a great follow, so much great content. You're gonna learn a lot too. Um, you can also support the podcast by uh, checking out our Etsy account. We have some new shirts on there, some new colors as well. I know we had a lot of people who were excited about the 100% celebrity agave free shirt, but they wanted it in different colors. So I so I added some more colors to the Etsy shop. Check that out. Um, you can also check out Anchor.fm/slash/GoodBottlePodcast if you want to throw some shekels our way, so we can go out and find some uh, white burgundy for ourselves. Fly to goddamn France. <laughs> that's what we're gonna do that's we'll right do that instead <laughs> yeah if you would like for us to cover a story if you're working with a brand that would like to be featured please email us at goodbottlepodcast at gmail.com and as a reminder you can purchase some of the bottles that we drank on this episode at thegoodbottleshop.com and until next time cheers 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 aj Oh man, I learned a totally crazy thing with wine history in my Napa 
Valley Wine Academy. The cheers, when you hit the goblets together, was actually a way to make sure that your wine wasn't poisoned because it would go into both goblets. Oh, got right? it. Yeah, yeah. So that's where like that's where like the cheers originated. So that's for you guys. That's for our listeners. Um, I had to pay for it. You didn't. You're welcome.